Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now we are a proud member of the 143 podcast network the Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. This is Brian Wayne, the official voice of NSCLiveTV.com. Once again from Studio Cerebro. Here to tell you all about more great auction action. This particular auction action coming from Hooked on Comics Super Sales. Join John, Mary, and the rest of the gang Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and Saturdays 7 p.m. Eastern Time on NSCLiveTV.com channel 1. They have moved from 12 to 1 from my understanding. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, come on in. High-grade goodies, a whole lot of laughs, and, uh, yeah, um, there's an enormous wall of slabs, and then there's the bin room, and, of course, an auction. Uh, <laughs> one thing that you will notice is that John's hat, the, the, the feller that be, well, partially running the show, the face of the show, his hat changes constantly. You never see the same hat twice. So, once again, that is... Uh, Hooked on Comic Super Sales, Tuesdays at 6 Eastern, Saturdays at 7 Eastern, NSCLiveTV.com, Channel 1. Once again, that's NSCLiveTV.com, your home for the best in auction action. This is Brian Wayne, the official voice of NSCLiveTV.com, coming from the Cheers to Comics studios aka Studio Cerebro, to tell you all about Sergeant and the Commander auctions. Uh, join Raul and Donna Fridays, 4.30 Pacific Time, for a great night at comics, games, prizes, and so much more. Raul is a United States Air Force veteran, and when I, I'm not going to lie, when I see USAF written out, I automatically think American as fuck. <laughs> and he's been in love with comics since he was six years old. This comic book powerhouse duo has been together for more than 20 years and enjoy the love of all superheroes we grew up with. Be sure to check out the $3 Donna poll. That winner gets a free slabbed comic. $3 Donna poll. Free slab comic. So remember, join them Fridays at 4.30 Pacific Time on NSCLiveTV.com channel 15. Once again, that's NSCLiveTV.com channel 15 for Sergeant and the Commander Auctions. 
nsclivetv.com, your home for the best in auction action. Slurds, welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I am your host, Brian Wayne, and this is episode 67. Uh, this week, I will be raising my glass to the books that were released on the 12th of February 2020, as well as talking about other things relevant to the world of comic books. Full disclosure, this is a spoiler-based podcast. It's an overview-based podcast, not a review-based podcast. I try to keep opinion out of it. Stick to fact and uh yeah what's going on in the books the other piece of info i like to drop before i get too far into this is that i tend to have a uh, trashy mouth <laughs> some might say so if you have sensitive ears you've been warned this is not safe for work so uh let's let's start with some news i do got a bunch of news to talk about uh we're gonna start with uh a dc ongoing series. This one's a bit of a surprise for me. Uh, I haven't been... Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm way behind on Justice League Dark. That's where I get my Man Bat. Uh, the, the piece of news I'm talking about here is Man Bat is getting a an ongoing. Um, the thing is, is that apparently he's evil now. So this is going to happen in May. Dave goes definitely said that wrong, and Sumit Kumar are helming this project and uh yeah we'll see what happens uh dc is usually pretty picky with their content these days so for them to choose man bat to get some some stuff they're calling it an ongoing that's that's bold that's saying something apparently dave wild ghosts and wheel ghosts and sumit kumar really have something here uh more news out of dc generation one so, I guess Generation 1 is essentially the thing that Doomsday Clock wasn't. It is DC's attempt at fixing shit, from what I understand. Uh, the first bit we're going to get is coming from Free Comic Book Day, and then we're going to get a series of one-shots, and it's really just going to kind of rewrite DC continuity. So, yeah, once again, the thing that took two years that was supposed to do that officially means nothing now, unless... This Generation 1 ties into Doomsday Clock. Um, and I guess it's going to really surround a whole bunch of Golden Age characters as well. So that, that definitely makes things interesting. Um, let's see here. More from DC. Guess what? That book that was supposed to come out in October has delayed another month. That book being Birds of Prey. Uh, yeah, just another setback. It was supposed to be in October. Another saying uh, April 1st so that's that's a big difference that's a six month delay that's that's fucking gnarly um so they kind of botched the whole hey let's get a birds of prey comic out there before this movie that didn't work so uh <laughs> this is fucking up again when it comes to these delays it's 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 kind of ridiculous but I think no fuck-up and delays in the news is as big as something that Marvel has to deliver, and that's J.J. Abrams and Son. Uh, their their Spider-Man story that, you know, I, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, quite a bit, actually. Uh, delayed The last two issues are delayed four months. 
That's a big push. So apparently the Abrams have something more important than comics going on. Uh, which I don't blame them. Those guys are ballers and comics pays dicks. So, yeah, you do what you gotta do. Kinda sucks though. But, you know, you'd think they would maybe finish their shit. But, I don't know. Uh, I'm still gonna finish it when it comes out. I've, I've been enjoying it. I can't deny that. Last bit in the news that I'm going to talk about is old Jack Black himself. Jack Black is writing a comic. I take that back. Jack Black is drawing a comic. Uh, Kyle Gass is co-writing a comic with Jack Black. And, uh, yeah, apparently this is going to revolve around their post-apocalyptical thing they did. They did an album. They did the, the YouTube animation thing. It was a whole thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's gonna be produced by Fantagraphics as well. Uh, so I don't know, we'll see about that. The, the, the teaser art that I got, you know, I mean, uh, if that's when I originally thought, okay, Jack Black in comics, this should be fun. You know, I, I want to see Jack Black write a comic, and I said Jack Black's drawing a comic, and I thought, uh-oh, because, uh, I know the motherfucker can sing, but if, I don't, I, something tells me he can't draw. Um, as a matter of fact... I know he can't draw, because he did the whole, once again, YouTube thingy about him really just showcasing how much he can't draw. So if the teaser art that we got reflects the, the comic book art, uh, visually we're fucked. But it's probably, I mean, it could still be decent, who knows? I mean, uh, they're musicians, they're comedians, but are they comic book creators? I guess I'll find out, That's I'll definitely find out, I'm not going to not read it. So that's the news. That's the news. Uh, let's let's get into some some speculation. Those uh, those that you know are all about the money. Oh, you greedy sons of bitches. Uh, yeah, I, I don't judge you. You know, there's a lot of money in this industry. A lot of money. There's a lot to enjoy about this industry. Um, so with that brings the segment of speculation lottery. Nothing that I talk about in this segment by any means are promises. This is uh, this is just future potential stuff that could amount to something bigger. Maybe gain some some eBay steam down the road. Uh, a lot of you know, there, and there's several different uh, variations of books and uh, key factors that can weigh into what what makes this. Uh, this here segment, whether it's being a first appearance and or cameo, which I will always argue is uh, the same thing. And uh, also, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of things. Big key events. I don't know. Like I said, it's all speculation and on a very broad, broad, broad spectrum as well. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. There are times where I'm really reaching here. Um, but it also at times where I don't... I don't reach. I try not to reach too far, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah. So with that, let's get on with it. I've got I got three potential lottery picks here uh, for the week of the twelfth. First one coming from X Force. X Force number seven. Uh, I, you know, after reading this issue, I, I believe. You know, I hope that this this first uh, appearance type of character sticks around seems very interesting but something tells me could be a flash in the pan we'll see you never know um, honestly movie appearances seem to be the the driving factor of the 
the, the, the value of these books, sadly, these days, but, eh, what are you gonna do? The fact is, is that we got kind of like a reverse domino, an anti-domino, if you will. She bad. Uh, domino seems, you know, I'll get into all that later. But, yeah, it, uh, once again, they're probably gonna speculate it as a cameo, because the character never really gets an official name, and that's how these things work. I'm gonna call it a first appearance, but what are you gonna do? Sometimes cameos are just as popular in some circles. Like my own. Um, another first appearance we got this week is coming from Immortal Hulk, number 31. Uh, you know, this the, we got a first appearance of uh, Glowboy. Fucking cheesy-ass name, but, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, the, I'll explain Glowboy within the overview segment in more detail, but just know that this is a, definitely a first appearance of something, um, but based off of the, the little bit of snippet that we got in here, I speculate that this really could be uh, potentially... I'd like to think that this glow boy character is going to stick around based off of what I read. So, uh, I don't know. This, this could be something. This could be the next Immortal Hulk uh, big key. Uh, will it be Dr. Sampson big? I don't know. I don't know. It, it, this seemed big to me, but what the fuck do I know? I seem to be the only one that doesn't understand Immortal Hulk. So, hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, carrying on. The last little thing... I'm going to mention here, uh, I didn't read it, but uh, through the grapevine, I'd be hearing in this new Green Lantern, number one, from season two, uh, there is a cameo appearance of a Young Guardians team, so I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's something, I'm sure it's something, I'm Grant Morrison doesn't fuck around, so, uh, yeah, we, we shall see, we shall see, so that, that does it. That does it for the speculative folk, the lottery pickers. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Who knows what could happen with this? You never know. Those, uh, may there have been more potential keys that came about this week? Absolutely. Uh, once again, I try not to, to reach, though. You know, it's not every time you see a first new face. You know, I don't, I don't, I try not to go that far, so... Yeah, let's uh let's take it on to the overviews, but first I want to leave you with this. with overviews um you know I, I gotta say you know you may or may not hear the the sounds of a whittle baby in the background um you know it's just uh that's how this podcast is now may or may not be a thing you're fucking used to it uh the baby doesn't understand swear words yet don't be offended uh <laughs> carry on overviews uh only one dc book to talk this week so i'm just going to start out with it and uh Get it, get it out of the way. 
Get it out of the way. Let's, uh, Superman. Superman number 20. Um, Brian Michael Bendis, Ivan Reese. Hey, how you doing? My name is Joey Galvez, and I'm here to invite you to head on over to the 143 Podcast Network to check out all our shows that range from collecting, music, all things geek, all under one roof, right here on the 143 Podcast Network, partnering with Age of Radio. Check us out. Joe Prado, Eau Claire, Albert, Alex Sinclair, and Joe Skipper. Uh, a lot of people on that book. Covered by Ivan Reese, Joe Prado, and Alex Sinclair. So essentially what's going on here, we're still kind of just picking up the pieces of Clark's uh, little secret slip. Not really a slip, did it on purpose in issue 18. Everybody knows now. Uh, really the main thing to get out of this is that Clark Kent... Okay, I'll try to do this proper here. Uh, so, Superman. Superman is up fighting Mongol, trying to protect this planet of ungrateful aliens that Mongol has taken over, or trying to. Well, uh, Superman goes up and gets his ass whooped immediately. Uh, and, you know, he's knocked out, apparently still thinking, and inside his little thought box, he's going on thinking, you know, it's been a long time since I slept, so maybe this knockout punch will allow me to, uh, get some rest. But no, because Mongol is dragging him by his face, he wakes up. So, uh, not sure what the point of any of that dialogue was, other than maybe we, we need a couple of pages here. Um, I know it's gonna sound, I'm gonna sound harsh on this book. I don't wanna sound harsh on this book. But it might sound harsh on this book. Uh, so that's what's going on there. Uh, Superman is continuing to get pwned by Mongol. Uh, meanwhile, back at the Daily Planet, all of the Daily Planet people are a little upset. Since Clark Kent has added himself as Superman, that means that all the great Superman stories that Clark Kent has written over these these times, all these awards he's written as a journalist, um, well, that makes him the cheetah. So they're all pissed off, and yeah, but they also get this strange email that has yeah, they don't really know where it comes from. But uh, the email reveals that apparently Clark Kent is having some space United Planets space meeting, which is essentially is a UN, but of uh, planets. I know I just don't think they wanted to call it up. But uh, yeah, that's been Superman just volunteered himself to represent Earth on account of he's not a human and all, but he can go to space and none of the Earthlings can. Uh, so, they get this leaked email, that pisses off some people, it definitely sparks a, a potential article or two. Um, and that's, that's what's going on in Superman. Uh, yeah, that's, that's all for DC. That's, that's it. Um, Marvel. The Marvel is going to be the bulk of this podcast. There, there's a lot of Marvel, but, uh... <laughs> Uh, Marvel's flexing this week, man. Uh, Hawkeye Freefall. Hawkeye Freefall number three. Matthew Rosenberg and Otto Schmidt. Covered by Kim Jacinto and Tamara Bonvillain. This this book continues to be fun, as one would hope, out of a Hawkeye book. 
You know, it's slated for six issues, but on account of how well I feel like it, it's doing, um, I, I hope that Rosenberg gets to go ahead to to um, keep uh, keep going. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how the this first story arc ends, at least. Uh, the only reason I, I kind of am being presumptuous that there can be more is because he's been on this podcast. Um, uh, humble brag. <laughs> and we kind of had a slight discussion in that matter. Sure. Um, uh, what's going on in Hawkeye? Hawkeye, he is explaining to Hood's little peon pawn... <laughs> Uh, tech support guy, Bryce, how he was able to be Ronan and Hawkeye at the same time and fool everybody, and the explanation comes about from the fact that he is using this very, very, very cheap version of a time machine that was recovered from one of Kang's little invasions. So the reason why this time machine thing is so cheap is essentially it really just allows Clint to go forward in time one hour. That's it. So, but that one hour when timed, you know, with uh, with careful precision, you know, you could really create quite the illusion of uh, uh, a distance um, and really a great alibi. So, he's been doing that, but old tech support Bryce from the Hood's Brigade found him out. And throughout this, more people kind of tend to find things out too, like Clint's girlfriend and uh, Black Widow, and uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know, uh, there is one little bit of this, I just kind of, I, I don't fully understand, it happens, uh, I forget how it happens, I don't know why it happens, I'm not mad that it happens though, uh, a, a, an identical robot version of Clint arrives, I'm sure it is explained, I just forget. Uh, I, I didn't put that down in my notes for some reason. Um, and that seems to be the thing that sends uh, Clint's girlfriend over the edge. It's not the fact that he's Ronin and traveling through time. Uh, it's the fact that he has a super weird uh, AI version identical to himself. And uh, yeah, that freaks her out, I guess. So, peace. But beyond all that, uh, I guess... When Ronan goes after the Hood, like he would be at this point, because that ten, you know, seems to be the, the premise of the story. There are devils there awaiting. So we got ourselves another cameo, as promised by Matthew Rosenberg. Uh, uh, I don't know. This could be good. I'm sure it will be good. Uh, I just, I didn't see that one coming. Didn't see it coming. Uh, let's let's keep this going. Savage Avengers number ten. I apologize if I sound kind of speedy. There are some books to talk about this week. There is an abundance of books, there's no doubt about that. So, uh, Savage Avengers number 10. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jerry Duggan, Patch, Zercher, and Java Tartaglia, covered by Valerio Gian Giannarnano. I Believe it or not, I'm pretty sure I said that right. Um, wait. No, I, I said that wrong. <laughs> there's a D in there somewhere. Uh, apologize. <laughs> So, what's going on here? Doctor Strange, he has this iron armor that was deployed by Doctor Doom. Now, if you've read Infamous Iron Man at all, that all makes sense as to why Doom would have a badass Iron Man-like suit. So, um, in a very, um, I don't know if you would say unselfish way, 
but uh, it's hard to explain. Uh, it's it's almost kind of reminds me of how Doctor Strange in that that one movie that made sixty billion dollars uh, sacrifices the Time Stone, and he knew that you know, Tony Stark was the way. Sorry, spoilers. Uh, but um, it's kind of I, I get the same feeling out of this with Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange. Only Doctor Doom is like, hey, you know, this savior suit that I'm having coming down, I'm gonna have it save Doctor Strange instead because he's the key to fixing all of this shit, shit happens to me, what the fuck ever. Thankfully, uh, despite the fact that a building falls on Dr. Doom, he's alive. Uh, uh, and, you know, <laughs> so we, we still gotta fight Kulan Goth. He's the big bad motherfucker after all this, but also Brother Voodoo is trapped in this weird world. Dr. Strange is hell-bent on picking him up, but the thing is, is Brother Voodoo, he's been there too long, he's dead. He's dead. Uh, Doctor Strange at this point says, Hey, Conan the Barbarian, uh, Doctor Doom, you fight Kulan Goth. Meanwhile, I'm going to wrap Kulan Goth in this iron armor suit with my magic, and it's going to hold him down. And Conan, you're going to stab him in the fucking face, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to retrieve... Uh, the, the corpse of Brother D Voodoo, and I'm going to take him to this dude named Kalfu, and I'm going to ask him to resurrect him, and I owe him a bunch of fucking favors, because that's how magic and resurrection works, and um, essentially create an entire new story arc for the next five issues, one would hope. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so Conan uses the amulet that he was given, or, I, given, <laughs> the whole premise of all this is the fact that he stole that bitch from Kulan Goth. He uses that amulet, and it allows, uh, um, yeah, every, once again, Kulan Goth, he, he doesn't die, uh, he, he's defeated, but he still manages to go away, once again, setting up another possible story arc for the Savage Avengers down the road, I'm not gonna lie, uh, at first I thought Kulan Goth was kinda uninteresting, but as this, the 10th the issue now of this character being the, really the one and only villain, uh, I find him more and more badass, and, uh, I don't know, just, uh, I think he's gonna stick around. Not that he's a, I don't think that he's a new character, but he's definitely being used by Jerry Duggan. Jerry Duggan's a fucking master, so, uh, it doesn't surprise me. And, uh, so, yes, that seems, you know, all's well, do-do-do-do-do, uh, what do we do, Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom, and Conan? Well, uh, Conan, we're, uh, <laughs> he gets sent to South America against his will, uh, because Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom, they still need to go after Kulan Goth. Uh, Conan is now in South America, pissed off, and uh, but still very much part of the the story. There really there is no Savage Avengers. It seems like everybody's dismantled. Um, uh, but Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom are. Uh, trudging along, still hell-bent on killing Kulan Goss, so we'll see what happens there. I'm, I'm very intrigued. I, 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 I would like to think it's going to continue on. Can't say personally I've seen solicits for number 11, but I didn't feel like this was the end of anything by any means, so I don't know. We'll see. Man, I really spent some time on that book. It's well-deserved. I'm, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Savage Avengers. So let's keep this going. Uh, you know, I haven't talked about this book in quite some time since Absolute Carnage, way way back in the in the summertime. Remember that? Remember that? Um, 
And even then, yeah. So, uh, all right, Amazing Spider-Man, number thirty-nine, Legacy eight hundred and forty. Nick Spencer, Ebon Coelho, and Brian Reber, covered by Patrick Gleason and Marte Garcia. Uh, I apologize if I sound uh, anti-enthusiastic about this book. I do feel it is my duty as a podcaster, comic book podcaster. There are a few characters that um, are staple to know about. Um, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. Those are the three. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Superman was another book that I'm uh, about. Uh, I, I do like Spider-Man. I haven't been a huge fan of Spencer's Spider-Man. It's been up and down. Uh, I stopped. I, I took a break after the Absolute Carnage tie-in because it just kind of upset me. Like, granted, yes, I was obviously reading all of Absolute Carnage, so it did make sense to me. But um, I was trying to look at it as an overall perspective, say I'm not reading Absolute Carnage, and that's the first issue I pick up. Um, I know personally I would, I would never continue to read that again. Just because I've, it was, I don't know, I just, I don't feel like it did a, a comic book reader justice. That's just my opinion. Um, so, and then there was the 2099 event, and I opted out of that because I was just burnt out on Absolute Carnage. And not that I didn't enjoy the Absolute Carnage, it was just, there was, that was a lot. And then boom, well, even while Absolute Carnage is going on, 2099 starts, so... Uh, yeah, so I skipped a few issues there, then I skipped another little mini-arc, and now here I am jumping into the, the the second part of another arc, and the thing that really drew me to it was it was J. Jonah Jameson-based, and so far my favorite uh, Jameson, uh, or my favorite Spider-Man stories that Spencer have written have been Jameson uh, based, so, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's, and then, of course, the major premise about all of this is that he's got a podcast now, which is, I mean, obviously, I mean, I have a podcast, so now we have something in common, <laughs> but, uh, beyond all that, um, uh, I, 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 it just, it just seemed like it could be interesting, and then, you know, you get into reading it, and uh, I will let me give full credit to the creative team first. Uh, oh, I guess I did. I, I did. My fault. Um, yeah, so on the first episode, Spider-Man himself is is the guest, and he's going on as Spider-Man, not as Peter Parker, if you're not aware. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson is now aware of Parker's little secret, but that is not, you know, um, the interview is being conducted as if Jameson is talking to Spider-Man. Now... Uh, the producers at first, uh, behind the scenes, are not all about this. They think this is a terrible fucking idea. But immediately, as the two start arguing, but in a very backwards way, to the point where it's all uh, inside type of shit. You know, the the actual listener, if you didn't know the relationship between everybody, uh, or the real relationship and secrets between the the two, the real dynamic. Um, it, it really wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. So it comes off as just two people screaming at each other on a mic over a bunch of nonsense. And the producers are fucking loving it. So <laughs> um, they've realized that they have gold here. And then you also got to keep in mind that Jameson is um, coming from running the, the, the Daily Bugle, the newspaper for, I don't know, uh, like 50 years, 40 years. And then he has a radio thing for... 
about a year and a half, and now he's a podcaster, because apparently he's too raw for radio now, too, so, uh, <laughs> that's, that's what's going on in this book, it's, it's that, oh, and then by the way, there's some bad guys conducting some shit that, some bad guys that are completely unrecognizable, uh, I feel like I've seen this guy before, but I couldn't tell you his name, uh, they don't mention him by name, but there's a, uh, the foreigner, he's, he's placing bets on some shit, and, uh, the, this, this villain that, you know, I, once again, I don't know who the fuck he is, uh, it has something to do with stealing a web shooter, that's what it is, he's, 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 he's double dog, triple dog dare that he can't steal Spider-Man's web shooter, so, it's, uh, he breaks through the podcast studio, and, uh, yeah, that's what we got there. Uh, so, Nick Spencer Spider-Man. It's still pretty Nick Spencer Spider-Man, but uh, it's like I said, I'm a sucker for J. Jonah Jameson. So, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep reading this art. I, w- I really want to like it. I really really want to like this book because there's not really any Spider-Man ongoing stories going on in 2020 like there was last year. You know, we had Superior Spider-Man and Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Um, fuck, I'm sure there's a couple more I'm missing. I'm, I'm sure there is. Uh, Ghost Spider, but we do have Ghost Spider now, still, so can't really complain about not having that, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, I would imagine it's just a matter of time before we get more Spider-Man books. I know we're getting Spider-Man Noir here soon, so, uh, it's still early in 2020. Maybe they're just giving us a breather. I guess I did kind of say at one point, this is Spider-Man breather, so... I, yeah, I get. I can't complain. I'm not gonna complain. <laughs> let's let's talk. Dawn of X, X Force, X Force number seven. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I'm, I hope I don't go too long on this book. Benjamin Percy, Oscar Bazaldua, and Guru Effects doing the colors. Dustin Weaver and Edgar Delgado doing the, um, cover, so, um, I could probably run through this real quick, but don't let that fool you based off what you get out of this book, it is, uh, very entertaining, so, Domino, it's a very Domino-heavy book, Domino, she has lost her luck, uh, running around town, fucking shit up, is this other character that resembles, uh, Domino, she seems to be a lucky son of a bitch, and she, as this assassin, is going through taking out a bunch of, uh, mutant sympathizers, that seems to be the general target, so, um, yeah, uh, that, that's, we get this whole awesome montage of this new assassin essentially just being, um, uh, cinematically lucky, <laughs> And it's pretty fucking awesome. Well, another thing we do get out of this, we do get out of this, is Colossus. Colossus is back, and he, you know, he's able to go from steel to skin again. Uh, It's been a while since I've seen him with fleshy tones. Uh, So I'm not, yeah, uh, once again, Hickman just doing his thing. So Domino teams up with Sage to track down this new assassin, and they find her in a casino as a lucky one, a lucky person with uh, the potential for greed may be. And uh, yeah, that's what we get there. And we realize that this 
new assassin is not just some assassin that's lucky. It seems to be almost the uh, um, uh, bizarro domino, if you will. Anti-domino. But still very lucky. And just, I don't know, if domino were evil and if you uh, switched up the, the color tones. She's, she's black with a white patch instead of white with a back, black patch around her eye. So, eh, that's why I kind of say anti-domino. Uh, I don't know, it's very, uh, this this story was fucking awesome, man. Um, <laughs> uh, granted, I am kind of biased, I'm a fan of Domino, but I, I like the montage scenes. I like the fact that it wasn't super wordy, knowing that Benjamin Percy has the capability of awing us with, uh, yeah, <laughs> his ability to really tell a story. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is this great stuff. Uh, one more book of the X, X-Men number six. So, X-Men number six. It's Hickman being Hickman, Jonathan Hickman, Matteo Bufani, and Sonny Go. So, cover by Lionel Francis Yu and Sonny Go. Alright, we got Mystique. This is a Mystique book. Uh, Xavier, he sends Mystique on this mission... Uh, to the mother mold, which is, um, I guess, um, see every X-Men, or all of the house and, uh, powers of X books that Hickman wrote, the, the, that whole 12-part thing. That explains what the mother mold is. It's really the base for, uh, an ultimate mutant killer, um, or as we will discover, Nimrod. Uh, so, yes, Xavier sends Mystique to the Mother Mold to see what the fuck is going on, uh, and plant this literal seed, this Krakoan seed, because we all know this Krakoan plant is capable of some bullshit, and especially when you've got, um, Black Tom Cassidy able to communicate through the, the Krakoan plants. So, um, yeah, uh, Mystique and Nightcrawler, they go on this mission, they die, <laughs> as is expected, to be honest, um, but because this is the Hickman universe, Xavier brings them back, but there's an issue, uh, the issue being, because they were out of reach of Cerebro, they were only, their, their, their conscious and memory was only uploaded to Cerebro, um, to the point that, you know, it was reachable, so when they planted the seed, and they died, they don't, they, they don't recall whether or not it actually took, so, <laughs> Xavier, being the prick boss that he is, sends him back again to make sure, and, uh, this time hopefully not die, and in doing so, uh, <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, uh, they, they find that this is, there, there's this Nimrod being built, and, you know, like I said, yeah, that's, I, I, I could spend probably 30 minutes explaining what Nimrod is, so I urge you to just take the time, especially if you want to read any X-Men at all or understand any X-Men, it's all, you have to read the, the Dawn, or the, the whole House of X and Powers of Ten stuff, you have to, it's, it's, it's crucial. Um, so yeah, just do yourself that favor if you haven't yet. Um, so yeah, beyond all that, um, you know, it's, <sighs> Nimrod's being built, but we get this really dark moment as if Xavier didn't come off dark enough. 
You know, he seemed like a boss throughout all this, I'm not going to lie. You know, he's definitely a supreme leader type of situation with his people and best interests without also, while, you know, doing his best to avoid interest to anybody that may potentially be an enemy at the same time, uh, as far as uh, violence goes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, with Mystique, he's a, he's a fucking prick. Uh, he's, he doesn't trust her at all. Um, and, you know, I guess rightfully so, but, uh, he's, he, he has his wife, and, uh, I guess kind of just held up being kept away from her, and he says, look, until you do everything I need you to do, and I can completely trust you, I don't know how long that's going to take, you're never going to see your wife, I'm going to make sure that, um, I'm Xavier, bitch, so, yeah, at first, I think, I mean, we kind of get a moment where, fuck, do we, do we like Xavier? I kind of want to turn my fucking Xavier statue on its, on its face first. <laughs> I just feel uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I'm sure it's it's for a good reason. I mean, not that Mystique's this great shining person, anyways. It's just, damn, they 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 really, they they they, they made it pretty emotional as far as her reaction goes. Let's put it that way. Uh, you you wanted to take the side of Mystique. And, uh, you know, uh, so she's pissed. She's pissed about that, and she goes, and she's talking to Oracle. Now, once again, see that whole, you know, my house powers subject. You'll realize what Oracle is in this new universe. And, uh, um, she, she's not so nice. She's mis, she's misleading Mystique to kind of, you know, go against Krakoa, you know, say, hey, you know, these people are being pricks to you, and blah, 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 but, you know, Oracle, and that's true, that's very true, but Oracle has poor intentions of her own, as you would know if you read those things, so, um, that does it for X-Books, let's talk Hulk, Immortal Hulk, number 31, Legacy 743, Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, uh, covered by Alex Ross. So, um, this I, I mentioned in the speculation lotto segment, Glowboy. Glowboy, you know, as little as he has talked about here, what is talked about, uh, uh, I find it to be pretty crucial. He is a, um, he's a mutant, and he is the source for ever, uh, I mean, this ever-growing, I mean, kind of sad source of uh, mutant DNA for a uh, kind of experiment type of situation being run by none other than Kingpin. Um, but he is not directly in charge of this operation. He has put the feller by the name of Turk in charge. And, uh, yeah, so we get this kind of flashback sequence where, you know, you know McGowan, who is now part of the whole Hulk crew seemingly now, at least how I understand it. Now, keep in mind, I do got to say, when I talk about Immortal Hulk, um, um, there's probably some things that I'm going to get wrong. Uh, it's It, it gets kind of dense at times, and there's just things to this day, 31 issues in, still don't quite understand. Um, but, fuck, I still enjoy it somehow. So, <laughs> I'm still talking about it, 31 issues in. And it's not for popularity's sake, believe me. Um... So, yes, uh, there's, 
we we kind of get this backstory of McGowan and her uh, relationship with. I, to be honest, it's really fucking confusing. She thinks she sees da- Daredevil fucking up her her potential rise in this uh, this kind of evil doer situation, black market, whatever, or not black market, uh, but. It's hard, like I said, it's hard to actually explain. It's, it's, if you're not familiar with Al Ewing's writing, this is just how he does. Um, <laughs> but uh, I guess the, the main touching points here are uh, Gamma Flight. Gamma Flight gets back together. That's badass. Um, Hulk, he's fighting this big giant beast that Minotaur has put out. Um, I, I almost get kind of like a Power Rangers Rita Repulsa releasing a monster on Angel Grove type of feel vibe from it only this time instead of a megazord fighting it it's uh fucking the immortal hulk so uh yeah but the thing about this is uh this this (laughs) this this creature this monster oh fuck what's the name it goes by zimu zimnu i don't know i fucking it's not a thing zemnu uh i don't know uh, he's, he's trying to, he knows he's on camera, he knows all of the news sources around, and he's talking, uh, yeah, he's just bringing up all these nostalgic points, you know, remember this, remember your first kiss, remember this, and I, I, I instantly get the feel of that classic South Park episode from a few seasons ago, uh, with the Memba Berries, and, uh, Hulk is, seems to be the only one privy to his ways. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, uh, Hulk's fighting him, but the thing is, is because the public and everybody else perceives this monster to be the good, but good guy, Hulk looks like the bad guy once again, that's why Gamma Flight gets in, and even to Gamma Flight, uh, yeah, not looking so good, so they come in, and they really, you know, they, yeah, uh, McGowan, she makes sure Hulk gets teleported back to base, Hulk's pissed about that, and he starts realizing there may be some false memories involved. Same thing with McGowan, the way she's remembering things, that whole Daredevil thing that I mentioned may or may not have been the Hulk back in the day. I don't fucking, like I said, it's kind of confusing. I'm sure it'll be explained later on, but that's just, like I said, how Al Ewing does it. Uh, Venom number 23. Uh... Sorry, uh, Legacy number 188, Donny Cates, Mark Bagley, Andy Owens, and Frank Martin, covered by Mark Bagley, Andy Owens, and Jason Keith. <laughs> so, uh, Eddie, he done cut off his arm in the last issue to avoid, you know, the carnage symbiote seeping all up in him. So now he's armless, he's got to carterize the wound, he's running through the jungle, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, meanwhile, Sleeper, he's trying to convince, it's trying to convince old Dylan, that having that Carnage Grendel symbiote, it's bad. So, uh, um, that's the last South Park reference I'm gonna make. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Dylan, you know, he's, uh, he's, you know, trying to show his sleeper what the fuck he's capable of doing with this, so he, uh, he, he attempts to bond, one, but if you, you know, you've been reading this, uh, Dylan seems to not be bondable with symbiotes, uh, Sleeper seemed to be the first one to find this out. And, uh, yes, but he, he kind of, he doesn't necessarily bond, but he connects in a way to where he's able to see through via the hive of symbiotes, and he sees that Eddie's in trouble, but he doesn't really do anything about it. Not that he really can, I guess. Maybe he can, because he can control the other symbiotes, maybe. 
Uh, I'm not sure. But regardless, doesn't need to because he gets lucky with lightning. And uh, as the he's running through, the carnage thing's chasing after him, which is now bonded with Venom, unfortunately. But when the lightning strikes, uh, it also strikes carnage and separates Venom and carnage. Now the two are, you know, just kind of both separately uh, running after Eddie. But Captain America arrives because he, you know, heard a, uh, a distress signal coming from this here island. And he shows up to save Eddie, teleport, or transports him out, doesn't teleport him out, uh, transports him out, but the thing is, is that Precious Venom has been left behind, and he's upset about that as he looks behind to see that the island is being napalmed to fuck. So, uh, Venom Island concluding. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. I dig it. I dig the shit out of it. Uh, last Marvel book of the week, like I said, there was a mouthful of Marvel this week. That's what I shouldn't title, or I should title this podcast, but I won't do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I take it back. Two more. Two more. Uh, Thor. Thor, number three, Legacy 729, Donny Cates, Nick Klein, Matt Wilson, covered by Oliver Copiel and Laura Martin. So what's going on here is a giant battle between Beta Ray Bill and Thor. Uh, it's a reluctant battle. They do not want to fight each other, but Beta Ray Bill uh, knows that Galactus, he be bad. And he's very upset that Thor is there willingly uh, being his herald. So, unfortunately, Bill doesn't really seem to be a match at first, but he does kind of start taunting Thor and realizes he's having a hard time lifting Mjolnir. Uh, Bill summons Mjolnir, and that kind of pisses off Thor. So he says, I'm going to rip your fucking arm off. And then he summons Stormbreaker instead, and uh, Thor seems to kind of come out ahead in this here situation. Um, and, you know, like I said, they're still, they don't want to fight each other. They keep calling each other brother the whole time, but they also know, you know, they have very different perspectives of, uh, Galactus' intentions at the moment. Um, so just before, uh, Thor could really kind of finish the fight, Lady Sif arrives and, you know, just kind of, well, she, unfortunately, she takes Bill's side. And that's, that's how, that's how it all pops off. Uh, keep in mind the reason why... You know, I didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about that issue because it's a very uh, action-driven issue, very artistically drawn. Um, uh, as I had said in, in uh, my social media posts, I, I believe that this may be the, uh, uh, the the issue that holds the splash page of the year for 2020 at this point in time. So, uh, not that I'm counting or anything, but it was just it was uh, Thor fighting Beta Ray Bill on there was. Oh, man, like I said, you, you get a lot of emotion out of it. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Go, uh, go power. Or, no, I say it again. See, I'm ahead of myself again. Iron Man 2020. This is, in fact, the last of the Marvel overviews. Iron Man 2020, number two. Dan Slott, Christos Gage, Pete Woods, covered by Pete Woods. So, uh, <laughs> Stingray seems to be all better. Stingray is back, and he's... Uh, He's kind of fighting his captain here. Uh, the, the setting of this captain, I guess, they were, you know, what's going on, I guess, it's kind of um, irrelevant. But, uh, yeah, there's a mutiny afoot led by Stingray. He's fighting Captain Barracuda. Um, and the, 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 the point of all of this is that the shipmates are all robots, and the robots are rebelling. And that is the point of this whole Iron Man 2020 event, is the robots are rebelling. 
And, uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> the, the next, we get Quasimodo. He's leading some robot rebels of his own. And that attracts the likes of Arno Stark, who is now, in fact, Iron Man. So, he's there fighting the old Quasimodo. And, uh, yeah. Now, Quasimodo, uh, his, his, uh, intentions are to free these crash test dummies that are at the Futura auto plant. So, hmm, yeah, you know, fucking kind of get the point there. You know, you would understand if you were a robotic, you know, type of AI situation and your boys are crash test dummies, That's that would offend you. So, hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, the robots flee. And, uh, but behind is left a key to ending the robot revolution, question mark, question mark, found by Arno Stark. Um, there, there, we don't get into specifics on that, but just know that it gives Arno some hope, uh, to ending this fucking war. Um, or this, uh, kind of, this, this re rebellion, if you will. Now, Arno, he doesn't, he doesn't have anything against robots. He knows there's something bigger coming, and he feels like, mm, maybe he could be a prick and use the robots to his own advantage and take over and, uh, you know, and use them to fight against the, the bigger threat, which is, in fact, the extinction entity that he keeps having dreams about. Uh, meanwhile, Tony Stark, um, the badass behind this whole rebellion, if you will, he is now AI. He does not go by Tony. He prefers to go by Mark I. And despite what the public perceives of him, he is not actually drinking. He's, he's just fucking green tea and shit like that. He's just trying to create this illusion. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, throughout all of this, uh, Arno, he's using this creepier, improved Jocasta to try to encode these, these robots um, uh, via the cloud uh, to, like I said work in Arno's favor, but meanwhile, Tony, he's privy to this, he would under, he thinks, you know, that's exactly what Arno would do with Jocasta, if there was a Jocasta in his position, so, um, he's, he's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's leading this, this, uh, this squad, um, to, uh, infiltrate Braintronics, and tweak this code, <laughs> and, uh, Oh, man. <laughs> it's good shit. It's good shit. We're going to see a Tony versus Arno uh, quicker than I imagine. Still loving this fucking event. Um, <laughs> killing it, man. Killing it. Uh, that, that does it for Marvel. Like I said, it was a big heap of Marvel this week. But you got a couple of indies to top it all off. Uh, I know I kind of switched things up from the normal format, how I usually do things, but, eh, what are you going to do? Uh, feeling silly. Go, go, Power Rangers, number 29. Ryan Peratt, Cena Grace, Francesco Mortarino, Raul Angulo, and Eleonora Brundy. Covered by Eleonora, um, Carlini. So, all right. Well, the Rangers, they're, uh, they're fighting old gun metal kettle and Angel Grove. As one would, <laughs> uh, the the gunmetal cuddle. It has this this liquid that spews from its spout, and it causes temporary paralysis. Well, Tommy, it he he defeats gunmetal kettle because he's the White Ranger now, and ain't no match for Tommy and Saba. 
So, meanwhile, Zach and Trini, they sneak off with Jason on uh, some, uh, you know, on a mission that Emissary has set up for him, and that is uh, after um, then uh, the formal introduction of X1, which is this AI robot. Now, if you're reading Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, you realize there may be some timeline confusion here, and the way I, I what I get out of this is that GoGo takes place just slightly before the events of uh, Mighty Morphin, and it's just kind of the uh, the other end of what's going on, which I you know I, I respect it. Um, there is a, a whole heap of you know just high school them being kids and you know uh, type of situation as you naturally get out of Power Rangers, so there's nothing to um, you know turn a cheek to on that. that like I said that's to be expected if you're familiar with Power Ranger storytelling um, but you do definitely get that uh, but uh, the, the mission that you know the Zach and Trini and Jason sneak off to it's essentially to uh, approach Kira who is this badass uh, um, unfortunately now she's an antagonist when you know originally she thought to be you know pretty cool fucking uh, uh, Power Ranger, but <laughs> meanwhile, uh, yes, there's more. Uh, Lord Zed, Lord Zed, he has Finster create a new monster, and this time he wants a monster that's worthy, and he finds a monster worth wor that's worthy, and what better monster scary name uh, worthy of a Lord Zed creation or not creation? Uh, uh, I guess uh, frontliner, if you will. Hodgepodge Hedgehog. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan Parrot. Ah, oh, go go Power Rangers, man. It's uh, it's it's still pretty fucking brilliant. That's uh, that's 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 it from Boom Studios. Last indie, last overview overall of the week comes from Valiant. Valiant Comics. My favorite Valiant book by far, Rye number four. Still possibly my favorite ongoing series of 2020. Dan Abnett, Ryan, Ryan, uh, sorry, Juan Jose Rip, on Andrew Dollhouse and Dave Sharp, covered by Kale New Nigu. Sorry, I, I knew. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> now, what's going on here? Ryan Rajin, they're in Hope Springs. They are tracking down one of the offspring of the Bloodfather, as has been their mission throughout. Now, while in Hope Springs, they are greeted, uh, greeted by Mally Linson. Linser. Uh, she's not too friendly. <laughs> But, you know, they, they make their way past her, and they uh, they get to some familiar faces to them. Uh, some old friends, Galad and Karuna. Uh, now, once they realize Rai's intentions of, you know, they, they say, look, there's no, there's no offspring here in Hope Springs. And uh, uh, Rai says, on the contrary, I think there is. And, unfortunately, uh, what seems to be Rai's close good buddy, despite him saying, You don't belong here, Rai. Get out of here. Um, he does turn on Rai to protect his his home and his people because he really doesn't believe that this uh, the, the, the offspring exists there. 
Um, you know, so he's, he's true to his people. I get that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, it's not like they're they're both really willing to fight each other. It kind of sucks, but it is what it is. But they actually got they got bigger fucking problems because the Red King himself, the Blood Father, his army, not himself, his army, the they they arrive and they're they're ready to attack all Hope Springs. So they got bigger fucking issues now. And uh, that that's right once again. Uh, visually, it's stunning as always. Juan Jose Rip may be a shoe-in for Artist of the Year so far. Dan Abnett is a fucking monster writing Rye. I love it. If you're not familiar with Rye, uh, you don't have to be. Just uh, just go through and read the first few issues. You're good. It's still early. There's time. Yeah, he fills you in on what Rye is all about. And uh, goddamn, is he all uh, about it. So that does it for the overviews. I'm going to take a quick little break here. And uh, I'll be back in just a moment. I'm going to leave you with this. Stay tuned. All right, I'm back. Sponsors. <laughs> Am I all right? Um, <laughs> it's that time. It's uh, time for honorable mentions. Now, these these are books that didn't necessarily make the overviews, but that doesn't reflect poorly on the books by any means. I have my reasons. Um, I will explain my reasons as this segment goes on, so let's get on with it. First honorable mention to talk about this week is Star Wars Rise of Kylo Ren, number three. Uh, I'm, you know, it's a six-parter. I'm going to read it all at once. I hear it's great. It's the origin of Ben Solo. I hear it's uh, heating up. I hear it's heating up. I know it's heating up. Um, so I don't know about number three. I haven't looked at number three, but the series itself seems to be very popular. Uh, Green Lantern, number one, from season two. It's it's still uh, Grant Morrison, Liam Sharp, and Greg Olaf. You know, it's uh, it's we had the Black Stars three-parter uh, in between season one and season two. I like how he's doing the season thing, just like the indies do. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Um, indies did it first, though. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I guess I just collect Green Lantern to have a Green Lantern run at this point, and now a couple Green Lantern runs, it seems. Uh, I'll get around to reading it eventually. I will. Um, but in the meantime, you know, it's, uh, I'm just going to keep collecting it. I'm cool with that. Uh, a DC, another DC book I picked up, didn't get the chance to read. Uh, just because, frankly, I'm a little behind. But um, I am still, uh, I'm invested. I've got all the issues. Uh, the, the Dollhouse Family, number four. This is a Joe Hill, Hill House comic type of situation. It's M.R. Carey writing it. Peter Gross, Vince Locke, Chris Peter. So, uh, yeah, I'll, once again, I'll get around to it. I will. Uh, I like the. I really liked what number one brought. I did read number one, and it was fantastic. Uh, Bloodshot number six. Uh, Tim Seeley, Brett Booth. Um, admittedly, at this point, I'm not really reading Bloodshot. Uh, it's not going to stop getting my money. I'm going to keep collecting it. It's just so I do have, you know, a, a bloodshot run that I know is good. The, it's just the thing is, it's uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's so fun. And it really is a quick read. Um, and it's, it's hard to, I find it very hard for me to overview on the podcast. So if I can't, if, I, if I'm confident that I'm not going to be able to give a proper overview then it doesn't necessarily become a priority to me. But once again, Valiant and Bloodshot is going to keep getting my money on this book. 
but I will forever be a uh, overviewer of Rye, <laughs> more than likely. Um, Excalibur, number seven. I'm falling off of Excalibur. I hear it's really, really, really good. Um, I'm, I'm probably uh, three or four issues behind at this point, admittedly. I don't know if I'm going to keep going on it. We'll see. Uh, I just kind of want to keep my ear to the ground on this one and see what the uh, the other critics and reviewers are saying. Um, and, uh, yeah. yeah. Not that I want to form my opinion off of theirs. I just kind of want to get a census of what's going on in the book. You know, that, that's all. That's all. Um, and that's only because there's so much X stuff out there now. And there's just more coming. It's not going to It's not gonna slow down. Uh, Doctor Strange, uh, Surgeon Supreme, number three. So because this isn't legacy numbering numbered, I'm realizing uh, I find this is going to be probably a 6 to a 12-parter. Uh, somewhere in there, I would imagine. And it really is kind of a direct continuation of Mark Wade's last uh, Doctor Strange run. And that's cool. I'm fine with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm just, at this point, I'm not sure I'm totally invested, is all, but I, it keeps getting my money, because I, 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 I like to have, um, complete runs, and, you know, I really do respect Doctor Strange as a character, and like I said, there's nothing wrong with this series, I'll probably go back and read it eventually, when, uh, uh, fucking distant crazy presidents ban comic books for whatever reason, I don't know, who fucking knows, it's a mad world. Uh, I like to keep some stuff uh, kind of just on the back burner, just in case. Just in case, you know. We're in this post-apocalypse, and a year later I could still read something for the first time. <laughs> uh, out of my collection, at least. Uh, Nebula, number one. You know, I, I admire this character, and uh, I admire the fact that the character is getting her first ongoing series. I like Vita Ayala, Claire Rowe, and I very much like Mike Spicer. But I'm not sure I want to be completely invested in a, a six-part Nebula story. I would imagine it's very true to the character. Just not necessarily... Um, a character I want to stay invested in. Why'd you pick up the book? That would be because I would like to say that I own the first uh, miniseries that's led by Nebula. That's all. Is it a speculator thing? Uh, I guess I guess deep down, uh, yeah. But to me, surface level, I don't really feel that way. Don't really feel that way. Um, oh, that, that, that's it. The honorable mention pile has depleted. It's time to talk the visuals. Der wall books. Now, the wall books. If you're not familiar with wall book, the wall book segment. Sorry, I'm fucking, uh, slight aneurysm there for a second. <laughs> um... This is really just me celebrating the, 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 the best covers. The shit that I really pick up is strictly for the cover art, not necessarily for what's inside the book. And this week, um, it's kind of a double whammy. Uh, I It's the same book, just twice, because there are two variants on it. It's a connecting cover of the Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy number six. Uh, this is uh, it's done by Mark Brooks. So naturally, I'm going to pick it up, especially with the way DC does their uh, semi-virgin 
um, variants. <laughs> Semi-virgin, such a fucking weird term. It's like they only did anal. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, but that's, that's what it is, and it's Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, uh, beautifully drawn. Um, I have yet to pick up any of the Harley Quinn sides of these uh, variants as they have done them. There, you know, there's always been a B and a C, one being Harley Quinn, one being Poison Ivy. Some of them connecting, not all of them. Um, but this is the first time I picked them both up because uh, Mark Brooks's version of Harley Quinn is um, wonderful fucking wonderful and together this this connection is going to look absolutely incredible on my wall so uh that that does it for wall books uh got a kind of twofer twofer all up on that one so that does it that does it for my stack before i wrap it up um i would like to celebrate uh the the books that i found to be my most recommended on three different levels. Uh, I find comics to be uh, important equally in three different manners. First one being shelf appeal, and that is the cover. Cover art can be very important. Um, don't judge a book by its cover, but at the same time, a cover can really draw somebody into something they may not necessarily have been uh, interested in beforehand. So I feel like cover artists should be celebrated this week. I think my pick is very obvious. It is Mark Brooks. Um, uh, I, 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 now which one? Uh, can I say both? I, I could, but um, honestly, the the Poison Ivy side. Yes, I'm biased. I love Poison Ivy to death. She's my favorite. So yeah, I think I, I love. Don't get me wrong. The Harley Quinn side's fucking amazing. But, uh, yeah, no, that Poison Ivy. I like the way he did that. It's the facial expression that gets me more than anything. She looks like a fucking boss, and I appreciate that. Harley Quinn just looks psychopathic. Like she, well, well like she should. So, <laughs> gotta love it, man. So, Mark Brooks, you get cover of the week. Uh, now, next up, I feel like interiors are 50% of the story. Um, you know, then that's 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 what separates comics. That's what makes comics so so incredible, really. Is that's there's not yeah. I, it's it, for obvious reasons as far as talking about visuals go. I'm not gonna ramble on about that. Um, so with that being said, I want to celebrate my interior artist of the week, and this tends this, it seems to be a pattern. Whenever Rye seems to be a thing, um, it's it's pretty easy to automatically assume that it's going to be in the top two, three, at worst, in discussion for Interior Artist of the Week. And yes, there was some amazing stuff to look at as flipping er, while flipping through the pages um, of almost every book this week. Uh, but, Rye. <laughs> Rye, man. Rye gets it with Juan Jose Rip. That dude's fucking incredible. Uh, you know, if, if any of the big two knew what they were doing, they'd, they'd sign a goddamn exclusive contract with him immediately. But I'm not mad at them for not because uh, I think Rye is a big part of the re or Rip is a big part of the reason why I think Rye might be my favorite title of the uh, uh, of the year so far. So yeah, gotta give it to him, man. Um, now as far as uh, the, the the last celebratory shout out kudos acknowledgement 
I would like to give recommendation. It's going to go to X Force once again. Uh, what Benjamin Percy is doing is incredible. Out of all of the Dawn of X, uh, I think X Force is easily the strongest of the titles, and uh, yeah, it's it's very well deserved. Granted, there it was, it wasn't that easy of a decision to make. There was some great stuff. Uh, I'm still loving Iron Man 2020. Obviously, Rye is fucking incredible, but X Force it just <laughs> it just keeps amazing me, and I love Domino and I love this story. So that's that's what got me. That's what got me. Uh, there will not be a Facebook discussion to go over this week. I'm gonna try to continue the one that I kind of skimped on and put out there in the group last week. I didn't do a very good job of uh, getting that published correctly so the the feedback was minimal so i'm just going to uh try to get that going again and uh yeah we'll get some we'll get a real discussion going on that topic so um you know the the, the topic you know what i'll tell you what that topic is let's push this facebook group a little bit <laughs> uh the cheers to comics facebook group it is fairly new but it is growing a lot quicker than i anticipated and i appreciate that i appreciate everybody that's producing the content on there but i like to get a little discussion going get everybody involved in this podcast in the group and uh the the, the topic i posed this week the question is crossovers now crossover any independent character with any big two character give me a fucking book baby um, so if you would like your opinion mentioned on this podcast, and I will do it, I'll fucking do it, uh, join the Facebook group, Cheers to Comics, you can figure that out, um, also, you know, there's other social medias to, to, to track me on, there's Twitter, at Cheers to Comics, Instagram, the Cheers to Comics podcast, uh, I, w- I urge you to support this podcast, do so by hopping on patreon.com slash years to comics become a patron become a true member of the sword army and i say a true member i do separate uh, <laughs> um the the, the money that uh, that that dollar however much you choose to pledge it, it goes towards great causes it really does got myself a silent mouse no more clicky clicky uh except for when it dies <laughs> um but, uh, yeah, no, see, that this is all this is good things coming from the patrons. Uh, other than that, leave five-star reviews. Apple Podcasts the best place to do that. It really does uh, increase the, uh, I guess, um, ability for it to be viewed in the rankings list. I don't know. I don't understand how science and uh, Internet algorithms works. But that's uh, those five-star reviews are fucking massively important massively important to this podcast so take a couple minutes do that uh leave leave comments and uh i'll uh, i'll read them i'll read them their comments so uh, yes slurts this has been a pleasure as always i hope you have been informed you have probably been spoiled if you've listened all the way through and if not then I commend you, because that means you have read as much as I have, and you are a fucking freak. So, um, I, yeah, yeah, fucking, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Well, I'll talk at you. So, <laughs> it's been a podcast. You slurds, read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers.